you're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. This is, this is our fifth lesson on prayer. This is our sixth lesson uh, in this journey that we're going through as far as understanding prayer and worship deeper. We had our, our first lesson was an intro just to the study, and then this is our fifth lesson on prayer. Just a review of what we talked about last week. We talked about intercession. We talked about intercession uh, three services in a row. We talked about it two Sundays ago. We talked about it Wednesday, and then we talked about it just this last Sunday. But intercession, just again, an invitation into the heart of God to discover the desires of God's heart. It's, it's an ability to, to, through the Spirit that we have access to because of the blood of Jesus and that we get to receive, and now we have access to the heart of God because of the Spirit of God that dwells in us. We have this ability to allow Him, the Spirit, to lead us through the heart of God and show us the things that the, that the Lord is desiring to do in a particular season, and then we get to partner with all of heaven to see it released. And I think that is such a profound thing to think about, to partner with all of heaven. To really think about, I'm not doing this. I think oftentimes we think that we are doing these things on our own, or it's just us on this side of heaven that are working for this. No, all of, all of heaven wants to see these things released. They see the heart of God every, every moment that they're in the presence of it. And they're always in the presence of it in heaven. They know what the Lord desires to do here on this earth. And so they have every intention. I believe the saints intercede for us because they know the desires of the Father's heart. And they want to see those lived out. They want to see those released. And so it's just exciting to think that we get to partner with a kingdom in releasing the things that the Lord reveals to us. So just... Uh, to dive into that deeper, what is discovering the desires of the Father's heart? Uh, we have a word for this. It's called revelation. Revelation is the uncovering of that which has always been, but has not ever been fully seen, and now is fully uncovered and fully seen. It's, it's uh, again, this example of this podium. If it's covered by a blanket, and it's always been covered by a blanket, I've never seen it uncovered. Revelation is the moment where the blanket is, is pulled off, and I can see clearly what has been under it. It's always been there, but now for the first time, it can be clearly seen. And Revelation is the uncovering of mysteries. Some mysteries will remain covered on this side of heaven. There's just no way around that. There are just some mysteries that are meant for the other side of heaven. Um, just plain and simple. Like there's no, We're not going to ever understand what, it, what this new heaven and new earth will fully be like. That will always be a mystery until we're in it. Right? That will always be a mystery. There was a, a statement that Randy said years ago that everything that men have ever invented and come up with have always been an attempt to get us back to what was first present in the garden. And when you think about creation and man's creation, it has always been to make life less difficult, right? Less turmoil, less difficulty, easier. And I think about that, and I always think about that Jesus was a carpenter. What does that look like? How, how does one build in a new heaven? 
how do you how do you fasten a joint together? How do you how do you harvest a two by four? I mean, what does is there any building? Is there any need to build? Or do we all just sleep under these new stars? Or are there stars? And these are all mysteries. I don't think Dewalt is waiting for us in this new heaven, right? Or whatever brand you prefer. I don't know that those exist. Uh, maybe our fingers just we snap our fingers and they turn into a drill bit and there we go. I don't know. That's a mystery and it's a mystery that will only be uncovered on that side of heaven. It will never be uncovered on this side of heaven. But so many mysteries are just waiting on us to venture into the Father's heart. There are so many mysteries that are meant to be uncovered. Again, it's going back to Graham Cook. Heaven is not a storage facility, but it is full of what you will not ask God for. And it is also full of what you will not just simply go and let Him show you. We refuse to allow the Lord to lead us into revelation. Because to be led into revelation requires relationship, and that's where things start to get tricky for us. We talked about this at the very, very beginning, the two truths. First one is for everyone that God is their creator. The second one is just for believers, and that is that He is their heavenly Father. He takes this transition from creator to Heavenly Father. Now, He's still our Creator, but there's an intimate relationship now that I have access to. But what we see across the board is so many Christians have not made that switch in their mind. They still address Him as a Creator, not as their Father. They still have interactions. They still have a relationship based on a Creator-Creation relationship, not a Father and Son, not a Father and Daughter relationship. So, there are so many mysteries just waiting on us to venture into the Father's heart so that He can reveal them to us. And we also know this is something we've talked about. The level of revelation that I can receive is based and linked to the level of mystery I'm willing to live with. So many people, we see this oftentimes, there are so many people that walk away from the the Christian faith or just refuse Christianity as a whole because they cannot wrap their head around the mysteries. They cannot wrap their, so many of them get stuck on the fact that they can't wrap their head around creation. How does that happen? How does he just create? How how can he not have an origin story? How can he be outside of time, matter, and space? We're not outside of those things. But those things are held within our ability to think. I can't think beyond my experiences. I really, we really can't. We can try, but there's a limit to what I can imagine because there's a limit on what I've experienced. And when we hold God to that standard, he's, He becomes too small. But some get caught up in that and they lose the ability. They just have no ability, really, to live with the mysteries of God. The, when, when loved ones are taken too early or when, when we see someone receive healing and someone else die of illness, Why? That question, that which is a mystery, and we talked about this last week, you cannot have mystery without the question of why. You can't. Any criminal investigation always starts with, why would they do this? What's the motive? Right? That's where we start. We always look at that. Uh, in any criminal investigation or really anything, if something happens, normally our first question is, why did they do this? Why is this happening? What is going on with this? Because it's linked to a mystery, something we don't understand. Um, And so, I cannot stop in pursuing the Lord and and going into deeper places of His heart that 
have yet to be discovered for me or maybe for anyone. I cannot stop because of the things that I don't understand. I must continue to move because of the things that I do. And we forget that. We get caught on the things that we don't understand and it stops us in our track in our pursuit of God instead of recognizing the things that He has revealed to me and allowing that to be fuel enough to keep me going forward. Because if this is what He's revealed to me so far, what more does He have for me ahead? What new things, of new revelation does He have? If I'm already, my mind has already been blown up to this point, what new levels of revelation await uh, just further down the road, we have to continue moving. We have to recognize that it is what we know that continues to drive us forward. And we know that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. This is a mystery that has been uncovered to us. This was a mystery that was prophesied for years and years and years and years and years to come. What Jesus would do, the Christ, what he would make a way for, what he would establish And his kingdom, when his kingdom came to reign, now it came differently than they all thought it would come. They had a preference on how it should come and how it should happen, and it didn't happen that way. But what Jesus came to do is he not only came to uh, wash the world clean of its sin, to be the only lamb that was worthy, the only lamb that could be sacrificed and slain, that we may all have salvation. He did that, but he did that that we would now have access to heaven that we would have access to the Spirit of God, to the breath of God again, as Adam had access in the garden. He breathed into Adam and he had life. It's the Holy Spirit, and we're connected to that Spirit again because of the sacrifice of Jesus. But also, now that we have access, we are given this ministry that Jesus started, originated with Jesus, and that is the ministry of reconciliation. He was the first one to start building a bridge from the world back to God. And then he gives that access to us because now we have access to the same spirit that Jesus had. We have the ability to live the same power and demonstrate the same authority as Jesus did because now I have been adopted as well. He is not just my Savior. He is my brother. He is my co-heir. And Jesus looks at us as his brothers, as his sisters, and as his co-heirs. Just because it's written in Scripture about us doesn't mean that it's one-sided. Jesus recognizes that truth as well. We are his co-heirs. We sit next to him in ruling the kingdom of heaven and the authority of heaven as sons and daughters. Because of his sacrifice, we have been adopted into that, and he sees us as brothers and sisters. And it's important to recognize, but he has given us this ministry of reconciliation now because we have access to all that he had access to. In this ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world back to God, that is literally standing in the gap, standing in the middle, and bringing them back together. Uh, Building a bridge. And the intercession, we talked about this last week, intercession is the business of bridge building. To be a bridge builder, you must be an intercessor. Those two things don't exist without one another. And everyone is a minister in the ministry of reconciliation. So if everyone is a minister and been given authority within that ministry and been given that ministry, you're not just invited into that ministry. Jesus literally hands you the keys to it. It's not saying you've been invited to be a minister in this ministry with Jesus. It's that he has given us. Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which is reconciling the world back to the Father, back to himself. He's given it to us. And so if 
We are all ministers within this ministry, having authority over this ministry, meant to steward this ministry, then every one of us is an intercessor. Because every one of us has been called to be a bridge builder. And bridge builders are intercessors. They are not interchangeable. Every one of us is called to be an intercessor. But we have to allow the Lord to lead us to what is to be revealed in this season, to be the bridge, to build the bridge he needs built in this moment. And that's what intercession is. Again, it's this, I know specifically how to build what kind of bridge, what he needs right now, right? He, what he said 10 years ago is different than what he's released two years ago because the bridge that he wanted us to start to build was a bridge of kindness. This is how I will reconcile Sundown, Texas, back to myself. It will start with kindness. It will start by you being kindness in places where there once was no kindness, where there has never been kindness, or where the kindness of the Lord hasn't existed in a while, or maybe it was there 30 seconds ago, but you're going to come and you're going to be it again. We are to be the vessels for the kindness of the Father to this community, and that's how he's told us to not only just be intercessors, but to build bridges. It's through that kindness. It's it's, that's the specific action that he's given us for this season, and he's led us into that, and we have to allow him to continue to lead us into these things in each and every season. And we have to be willing to stand in the gap and be those people that are kind when people are not kind. I had a con- I've had a conversation with Jay. Uh, we had a, uh, a meeting just in Lubbock. Jay and I will try to get lunch every now and then uh, when our schedules allow it, and uh, Every time, we need to do it more often because what happens is we end up not getting to meet for a long time. And then when we do meet, there's too many profound things discussed to hold all of it in my mind. I was thinking about it this morning in my office like, I just need to start recording our conversations. Because the places we go are just, they blow my mind. They blow my mind. These are things that I have never in my wildest dream thought about when it came to the Lord, and we just venture into these places every single time we get together. It never fails, whether it's for lunch in Lubbock or it's 6 a.m. at the McDonald's in Leveland, and we're both still scraping dust out of our eyes from sleeping and holding tightly to our coffee. We will still go to these profound places. It's just what the Lord does. But we were talking about, he was just asking, you know, about the things in sundown at And I started to tell him how I've noticed this kind of resistance. And there's just this pull. And now the Lord calls me Redeemer. And that is my identity through Christ and Christ alone. It's not anything that Parker does. It's just the vessel that Parker is and what I carry. That is the identity he's given me. And I've noticed that in this season, there almost seems to be, it's like when you turn the lights on, on a group of kids, do you ever get a positive set of eyes looking back at you? No. You get daggers stared right through you, right? Because they're just like, you turn off the lights. You're making me uncomfortable. You're challenging, challenging me to be uncomfortable, to get my day started, to get these things going, and I just don't want to. I want to hold tightly to my comfort. And I've noticed lately there's starting to be this resistance because people are really holding on to their comfort. And the Lord is really shaking 
as much of it as he can, right? We've talked about this in great length, but we, we have to, for the first time as a family, consider financially going to the grocery store. Because what used to be $250 is now close to $600. It's like, that's a vast difference. Um, that's not comfortable, right? That's uncomfortable to have to consider the food you purchase. And it doesn't help that Sarah and I are, you know, we went to school for exercise and nutrition. So we know that the food that you can afford is the food that's likely going to put me in the hospital someday because it's just really, really, really bad. The great value stuff, I mean, Walmart, don't sue me. Um, but that's, it's loaded with stuff that is just like not good for you, really, really bad for you. But that's how you can afford it. And so that's just, and that's just with food, right? There are people that are uncomfortable. I've seen more people have to consider and stand at the gas pump and consider what they're willing to put in and if they can get by with what they can put in until they have the money to fill it all the way up. You can see people sitting there contemplating how far they're going to let this pump go. And I've seen people just put $5 in because it'll get them through the next day. And that's all they can do right now. It's uncomfortable. Seen people just staying with cars that their car's getting real old and they need to go buy a new one. But what once was affordable is now astronomically impossible. Like There has to be an end to this. Talking to talking to Troy Miller, Danny Green's uh, son, and his truck used with thirty thousand miles on it that he paid sixty five thousand for is now worth ninety two thousand. Used thirty thousand dollar difference, and he's beat it up. It's insanity. It's insanity. The housing market. Are you insane what things are costing? It's insane what things are costing to build and do these things. And people are just uncomfortable. And then the Lord is now pressing in to say, now is the time to jump on or get out. And they're starting to get uncomfortable. And we've just talked about this. And in this, and all of this to say, and in these moments... We are still called to be kindness. Even when there is no kindness guaranteed in return. And I can just say with confidence, for a little while there will be no kindness received in return. From the general. But there are, there are lots that show a lot of kindness and appreciate what we're doing. And I'm not saying that the community is in any ways being unkind or uh, rude, but that you can just feel the spirit of tension in sundown. You just feel it because there are so many things that were once comfortable and set in stone and we didn't have to worry about that now we have to worry about. At school, thought it was set in stone, solidified it. We don't have to worry about money. Now we're faced with if we don't address these things, we don't have a school in a couple years. That's uncomfortable, Right? teachers having to take on more kids that is that's uncomfortable it's not these are not bad things these are just uncomfortable things but it's all 
when in a season of change do things just stay comfortable? If, you're, if you lived in a shack and you get to move into a mansion, that process in between is still uncomfortable. I don't care who you are. No one enjoys moving. Even if you're going into a better place, it's still the process is not comfortable. No one ever gets comfortable coming out of a trailer in the middle of summer carrying the 50th box in with flies crawling all over them and flies all over their brand new house and just think, this is just perfect. I can't imagine a better way to spend the day, right? It's uncomfortable. There are things that are just uncomfortable, but that's the season that we're in. And it's the season that the, the, the Lord is orchestrating and there's specific actions for us in this season. But if we do not climb into the Father's heart and if we are not willing to partner with heaven on what we find, and how, is, how are we partnering with heaven right now? Other than obedience, of course, right? As the Lord gives us obedience, as He shows us things to do, yes. But the being portion is, is what we've been talking about. Because we are intercessors. That is in your identity. So therefore, we are prayer people. We are people that are to be saturated in prayer. We're going to talk about it in 1 Thessalonians. It says, pray without ceasing. I mean, as you breathe in and you breathe out, pray continuously. Just as you breathe continuously, pray continuously. That's the only thing we do continuously is breathe. And he says, pray without ceasing. I never cease to breathe. And that is the only thing in my day that I never cease to do. I was reading something not too long ago. It may have been Oswald Chambers, but I'm not sure. Uh, but it said if we do that, yeah. Because we're constantly mm-hmm. in communication with mm-hmm. Yes. And that's all it is. And, and we're getting into something that kind of sparks a conversation. That we're, I'm sitting with the Lord on... This is the other very difficult thing about having three services to teach in. Because I want all three services to hear the same message. It's like, but now I have to pick... Like, which one gets this one? Which one gets that one? Which one gets this one? How do I combine it to bring it on Sunday morning? Oh, it's, that is the worst part of multiple services. And that's not a really bad problem to have, to have so many words from the Lord that you're like, I don't, everyone needs to hear this. How do I just give it to one group? But one of those things, it is in Oswald's, uh, Oswald Chambers' statement of that, is the recognition of the presence of God. The recognition of the relationship I can have every moment of every day for every second of that day. And the difference in a believer's life in the recognition of the presence they carry. Not just the admittance, but the actual recognition of the presence and the nearness of God. What is revival but recognition of nearness? What is a fresh outpouring but a recognition of the presence of God that's there? Because if there's a fresh outpouring in the sense that we think, meaning that something new is brought in and poured out, then God has withheld himself from us. Right? If there's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that means he's held a piece of the Spirit back and released a new part of it. So that can't be it. And if we were to cry out to God, this, you guys are getting a side lesson because it's like exploding out of me. I can't help it. 
if we are crying out to God, what do we think of? In the world, if I'm, to cry, if I'm crying out to someone, they're far away. And I'm crying out to get their attention, to bring them closer. But when David cried out, did he cry out because God was far from him or because God was present with him? When Jesus in the garden cried out, was it because God was far from him or the Father was right next to him? See, in the kingdom, crying out is a response to nearness. He is near, and therefore I cry out. Everything with God is nearness, and recognizing that he is closer than my breath, and that is revival, that is an outpouring. When I recognize the nearness of God, that is when those things happen. And that's part of the oil that the Lord is releasing, is that we would be a people that stay in the mindset of nearness. And we don't depart from it. Because we'll recognize it in a moment and we have these powerful and insane encounters with the Lord and with the Spirit of God. But then we drift from the recognition of nearness. And the Lord never goes farther away. He's always near. And that's the miracle of Jesus. You can yawn. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Just let it out. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're a teacher in Texas public schools. I get it. Uh, But recognition of the nearness and understanding that nearness all the time, continuously. How does that start? How how is that something that we begin to change our mindsets that that would be somewhere where we live constantly? Well, we engage in relationship. And not only do we engage in relationship, but we engage in the fullness of relationship. In prayer and in worship. These two things, I can't escape If you want a deeper relationship with God, if you want a deeper understanding of the presence of God and the heart of God, if you want to feel Him closer than your breath and literally feel Him closer than your breath and sit at the coffee table in the morning and pour Him a coffee because He is so present that He could just reach out and start drinking that cup because He is that present in your life. And and He is that present for all of us. Let's just start there. But we have recognized that he is that present in my life. To have that, you must be an intercessor. Because that is ingrained in every one of our identities. To be a bridge builder. But I can't have any of that without relationship. Without right relationship. I can't have prayer. I can't understand worship. This is another thing. And we'll get into this in, the, in, in a few weeks. When we start talking about worship. But... So many of us think we are operating in freedom and worship, but what we're operating in, I said this, I, I think it was last Sunday or two Sundays ago, what we're operating in is just the worship that has been modeled. And we call that freedom. But if the person that modeled it wasn't walking in freedom, or if the person modeled it was walking in freedom, is that freedom your freedom? My I, we are off. We we all have the access to the freedom of Jesus, and we, in this room especially, have have received that and now operate in that freedom. But I am not the same member that you are, and you are not the same member as me. There's not a one of you in here that can sit on those drums and worship the Lord. You stand out here and you'll worship, and you're more comfortable here. I'm uncomfortable here. I'm comfortable there. My heart 
speaks, that is my love language to Jesus, is those drums. And he gave me that. I didn't earn that. I didn't work for that because I chose that this would be the way I express my love to the Lord. This would be my love language in worship. That's not it. He anointed me for that and he showed me that this is how Parker worships. Now I can stand here and I can worship with the best of them. Um, But that is 100% the way I communicate and worship to the Lord. That was not modeled. That had to be discovered, right? And that can only be discovered through relationship. That can only be discovered if the Lord... That was a mystery at one point in time that had to be revealed. I just thought I was playing the drums because they're loud and obnoxious. And I was loud and obnoxious. This is a good fit. That's, that's all it was. But the Lord in His relationship, in His kindness, and in His grace would lead me to understand how He's wired me for worship in that place. And a lot of us have not taken that journey in worship. We just worship the way it was modeled. Right? And that's why we started bringing the kids in, and we're going to change some of that just because Parker threw them in the deep end with no understanding of how to swim. So I've got to change that, and we'll, we'll change that this week. But we want them to not see people's hands raised because they're just raising their hands because that's what you do in worship. We don't, want pe- we don't want them to see people singing because that's what you do during worship. We don't want to see people dancing because that's what you're supposed to do during worship. We want, to see, we want them to see people operating in freedom because that's how you respond in worship. We want them to see the freedom of believers, freedom of the leaders of this church and of this community. We want them to see the freedom and how we express this freedom to Jesus. We want them to see that, right? Because each one of us is different. Sarah can sit up, stand up there and sing with the best of them. I can't do that. And I would be incredibly uncomfortable if you asked me to start singing into a mic. I can do it great in the shower. If we could just record it there, I think we'd be all right. But as far as live, it's no go. It's not good for me. But anyways, when does intercession end is the topic for this evening. Now, we've had three sermons so far. We'll just cap it off with the fourth. But no one else say anything or you're going to get me going on another tangent. All right? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> no, please keep talking, because I love it, because you're just speaking things that are, speaking right to the things that are on my heart. I love it. But when does intercession end? We talk about this, and we always, and really we have to come back to the recognition of, uh, of this fact that the Lord has said that we are in a season of prayer and worship. So if we're in a season of prayer and worship, if we are in the season of fall, we know that fall will end and another season will start and fall will be gone. And so that's where this question comes from. When does intercession end? If we are in a season of prayer and worship, does that mean that when we enter another season, prayer and worship cease? The obvious answer is no, 
And we're going to dive into that a little bit this evening. We'll be in 1 Thessalonians um, verse five, or chapter 5, excuse me. Verse 16, and we all know this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now pay attention to the instruction here. This is instruction uh, to the Thessalonians uh, and their church. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And now, Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And now, Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. This is a very interesting pattern that I saw begin to emerge when we think about pray without ceasing. And that seems to be, when we think about these verses, that's where we gravitate towards, right? It's the pray continuously, pray without ceasing, pray constantly portion of these verses. But I know you all notice the trend in all of these. Uh, there's instructions to rejoice, to be thankful, and to be constant in prayer. These were, they didn't exist without one another. Even in Colossians, it doesn't say anything about rejoicing, but it says to be watchful through thankfulness while praying continuously. So that your eyes would literally be filtering everything through thankfulness as you pray without ceasing. They, they go together. They're cohesive. So to rejoice, be thankful, be constant in prayer, to cause joy, to choose thankfulness, and to pray continuously is the instruction. That's what rejoice means. And it's important to always bring it back to that. To rejoice is to cause Joy, not only in myself, but in those around me. And I think as a church, we're just starting to grasp, scratch the surface of what that is. To cause joy as a people. Have we seen in fullness, I've seen people that cause joy in people. I've never seen a group of people as as a unit, as an entirety that cause joy in multitudes of people. We have individuals that do that for us, right? We have it. But as a collective body, I think we're just learning as a, as a body of Christ to do that together, which will be really cool to see as we come into the fullness of that. To choose thankfulness, and this is another thing that, um, oh, remind me her name, uh, Stephanie, uh, 
Lincoln Lad Wilkes' sister. Rayleigh. Rayleigh. I'll never remember it. I, every time I always forget it. I'll never remember it. But Rayleigh, one of the few times that I saw her here, she was very busy and lived in Dallas, and, but she was here and she came to church and she was talking about the nursing and all these things and praying through the things that she's starting to see and just getting desensitized to the hospital world that is that world that's insanity. And um, she, she, she talked about the Philippians 4.6 and don't be anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication, and we kind of skip, make your request known to God and the peace that surpasses understanding. Uh, you'll receive the peace that surpasses all understanding. It will be yours. But there's a really important part in between that, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that I had never considered before. She said that. And it was revelation that the Lord had brought to her that with thanksgiving, we have to choose to be thankful. We have to choose to be thankful. That is not something that will just always come naturally because we will be, and we have been, in horrible circumstances. All of us, individually in this room, have lived through terrible things that we don't want to revisit. And you know that in those moments, thankfulness was a choice. It was not an instinct. It was not something that just comes naturally. You had to choose it. You had to choose to be thankful. Jesus on the cross, choosing to pray for these people. Because I believe now, after reading these verses with the revelation that the Lord brought, his eyes were looking through this filter of thankfulness because he knew what the sacrifice was bringing to these people. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is a prayer born out of forgiveness. How could he forgive if he was not thankful for what was coming? And grateful for what the Lord was going to do. He knew what was happening. And he was thankful. It was just a, a beautiful reminder in that. Can we though, can I, be thankful without joy? Can you be thankful without joy? No. I don't believe you can. There's a reason he says let nothing steal your joy. Joy is the currency of heaven. Don't believe there's true thankfulness without true joy. Full thankfulness. I'm not talking about polite thankfulness. I'm talking about full in your bones thankfulness. Because it is fueled by the joy that fills us. That cannot be touched by circumstances. If we don't allow it to be, I can be sad and be joyful. I can be happy and joyful. I can be angry and joyful. I can be at peace and joyful. I can be mourning and joyful. It is not something that has to be dictated by outside circumstances like emotions. And again, with the filter of thanksgiving, these things go together. Joy and thankfulness are meant to be together and exist. If you've ever met a truly thankful person, have you ever met one of those people that was also just a real bummer to be around? No. They were overflowing with joy. I think of this, I think of my, my sister, Darby. The Lord calls her joy. 
And I've seen her go through, I mean, she's my sister. I've seen her go through horrible things. I've seen her go through great and wonderful things. And the joy has always been on her. And because the joy has always been on her, there's been a natural response in thankfulness that has existed. Through the crap, through the uncomfortable, through the difficult, still thankful for the things that the Lord is doing and the things that the Lord has blessed us with. So, we can't be thankful. As what I've discovered, we can't be thankful without also rejoicing. Thankfulness releases rejoicing. Rejoicing releases thankfulness. So, we see these guides of of thankfulness and, and joy as guides that we could continue to pray continuously, but pray what? What is prayer? Dialogue and relationship. That is what prayer is. It's what we've talked about up to this point. It is dialogue, continuous dialogue with the Father, and it is a reflection of our relationship with the Father. If I have a relationship with a creation or with a creator versus someone that has a relationship with their heavenly Father, you're going to get a different kind of prayer life. It's going to look different. One will be born in this very uncomfortable, and we've all heard these. And we've all done this to ourselves. If you've ever thought or been doubtful about the words that you were praying or worried about praying out loud, self-conscious about it, you thought that there was judgment waiting for you based on the things that you said. That is not a heavenly father that we're praying to in that moment. We're praying to a a distant, far-off creator in that moment. In our hearts, that's the shift that has been made. But if I have this relationship with my heavenly father, it doesn't matter if I can't make out a word. He knows the expression of my heart that I'm trying to communicate. He'll hear it. He'll receive it. We were taught, we've been walking through this lesson with our boys because our boys are six and four and they just don't have the words. And we've all been there. The expression of my heart, I can't find the words to articulate it. And they're praying. And it's so funny because Kai has fixated on his own. I don't know how he's done this, but you'll, re- you'll remember the prophecy that the Lord spoke over the Diaz's, and he wasn't in here for that, about there being about revival breaking out in the hospitals in Lubbock, Texas. And every night that boy prays that the hospitals would be empty. Every night. And it's just like, what? And... But he, that's not the words that he makes out. We, and we pray that hospital and the, and the, the people that are sick um, and, and the, that the beds uh, wouldn't be there and that the, the people that are sick would be happy uh, and not feel bad anymore and that the, uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't need to be there. It's like that the hospitals would be empty. It's what he's praying. I know my son. I know what he's saying. But he just doesn't have the words yet. But is that a bad prayer? Would any one of us be like, dude, stop talking. You're, you're really ruining this. None of us. Do we thank our heavenly father who is perfect? I am imperfect. I can tell you. I've got a list of the things I'm really not good at. That list doesn't exist for the father our Heavenly Father, and just to hear our voices speak to Him. Oh, it's music to His ears. 
He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just wants to hear us. He just wants to have a conversation with us. So, prayer is dialogue. It is relationship. And our relationship is never to end. It's always growing in every direction. It's always increasing. We are meant from glory to glory to glory. We're not meant for just one introduction and that's where you stay till you get to heaven. We are meant for, that's, that's what salvation of the soul, mind, will, and emotions. The sanctification, right? The becoming as Christ. The daily salvation is only possible with daily interaction, daily revelation, daily relationship with the Father. I can become more like Him. I can reflect Him more clearly. He can make His appeal through me more clearly. He can articulate it better through me each and every day because of this salvation that I walk through. Our relationship is never meant to end. It's only meant to increase. We're meant to explore the deep parts of the Father's heart that no one has ever ventured into. I think about this all the time. I'm fascinated with discovery. Fascinated with it. I'm fascinated with this fact that there are places in the world that we have not been yet. We think, we have this arrogance, it's like, oh, there's nothing left to discover. There, we know less about the ocean than anything else. We know more as of right now about space than we do the ocean. That's terrifying to me, first off. That's why I don't mess with the ocean. The ocean stays over there, I'm good right here. Um, but, so it fascinates me that there could be places in the Father's heart that no man has ever ventured into. And we could be those people. We could be the ones that venture into an area of the Father's heart that has yet to be revealed to all of creation. That is so cool to me. It keeps me up at night in a good way, just thinking about it, dreaming about it. Our relationship is never meant to end. It's always to grow. So rejoicing, choosing to rejoice, choosing joy, choosing thankfulness, choosing to be thankful, they protect the relationship and they allow for more dialogue. These two things are meant to exist as a barrier that keeps us in the correct mindset with the correct filter that we could continue on this dialogue, that I could pray without ceasing but pray without ceasing correctly. Because just praying without ceasing for the sake of praying without ceasing, that ain't it. But to pray without ceasing, to have this continuous dialogue with the Father and this interaction with the presence of God, because I can see it clearly. There's joy overflowing. I'm choosing thankfulness no matter the circumstance. And that allows me to see His hands and feet at work, His presence, His nearness to me. It allows me to see these things clearly that I could pray without ceasing in the correct mindset. Because if we're to do something as often as we breathe, there has to be something in place to make sure we're doing it correctly. There has to be these things that protect us and joy and thankfulness protect our prayer life. And uh, they're incredibly important for it increasing. For further exploration into the Father's heart, and into the heart of God, there needs to be rejoicing. There needs to be thankfulness. And so back to this question. Does intercession end? When this season of prayer and worship 
comes to a close and we transition into a new season, does prayer and worship end? No, that would be a misunderstanding as to what the season is. This season is not simply about us praying more and worshiping more. That's not what it's about. Is it a part of it? Yes. But it is about if the Lord has said that He is releasing the oil, that He is making a new wineskin for a fresh outpouring, and we now know fresh outpouring is just a fresh recognition of the nearness of God. If He is doing all of these things in preparation for that, we must have the correct mindset, we must have the correct understanding of these things that will help to establish that move of God and then sustain that move of God. Is there a move of God that has ever existed on the earth without prayer and worship superseding those things? Never, ever has prayer and worship not been a part of a move of God. When we look at the move of God after Jesus is gone and the release of uh, the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse 2, the releasing of the Holy Spirit. What does it talk about in Acts 2, verse 42? As it talks about the new church, they are, they are devoted to prayer and worship, to fellowship with one another, and to going to the temple, to studying the Word of God, to pursuing the Spirit. They are devoted to these things, and a city was transformed. That's what the Lord is trying to teach us. And he's trying to teach us something that we've lost, a practice that we've lost, and he's trying to connect us back to it. This is what prayer is. This is what worship is. Now take part in it. Now that you know what it correctly is, now that you're doing it in your own life the way I've always intended for you to do it, and you have right understanding, we can move into the next season. Carrying these things with us. When we, in the seasons of God... On, on, on earth, when we move from one season to the next, we don't carry the previous season with us. Right? We have fall. Leaves start to change. It gets really pretty. But winter comes, there ain't no leaves on the tree anymore. You don't carry the colored with you. And then spring starts coming. New leaves start coming out. New growth. New life. You don't carry with you the previous season on the earth. In heaven, it's from glory to glory. Right, It's one degree of glory to the next. We carry these things with us that we've learned, that He's shown us, that He's revealed to us. It's a building block. He's building upon these things. He's not putting something down once we understand it, taking it off the table and then putting something new down. He's building. He's building the kingdom. And this understanding of prayer and worship is how He's building the kingdom currently, right now. It's us understanding rightly what it is to be intercessors what it is to be ministers within the ministry of reconciliation what it is to pray in freedom and have a deep and meaningful and just powerful relationship with the father what it is to worship in complete freedom for myself what does freedom look like for you in worship real freedom maybe it looks like i i know for my father I I know my story the best. My father in complete freedom in worship. Worship has never been about a song for him. It has always been about deep meditation. So when we're all worshiping my mom, she is, I mean, she's expressing her worship to the Lord. My father, not moving a muscle. Eyes closed. Sometimes he'll mutter the words, but... That's just not it. But the Lord has taken him on a journey. And that's just how he worships. 
there is worship happening. The Spirit is leading him into deep, deep places. And it looks different than me. It looks different than my sister. It looks different than my brother. It looks different than my other sister. It looks different than my mother. But it's all freedom. It's all freedom. So, understanding that for us, it's what the Lord wants. Because it's necessary for what's next. And it's a beautiful thing that He would allow us the opportunity to learn something the right way before leading us into something else. That we have the opportunity. And it's, you know, it's what, it's what happened for, for 12 years in this church. The Lord allowed us to relearn lessons correctly. He, allowed, he, he asked us questions that we had never considered. That it would lead to life change, right? That's what happened over the last... 12, 13 years under Randy. We were all asked these questions. We were all looking at lessons that we had read a thousand times in church. Never understood what they were really talking about, right? Until that revelation came. The Lord is doing it again. He's gracious, He's kind, and He's, he's revealing His mercy through this. He just really wants us to understand in fullness what these two foundational things are to look like. And they'll look a little bit different for each and every one of us, but the foundational truths are there. And for tonight, as far as continuing to pray and to pray rightly, to stay in the mindset that can allow for continuous prayer, you must rejoice and there must be thankfulness. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.